Well, good morning, Good Shepherd. I am Talbot Davis. I'm the pastor here. Always, always glad to be able to connect with you on a Sunday morning. And some of you are connecting on live stream and others of you, a lot of you are live. And however you're engaging with us, I'm really glad to, to be here and to bring this morning what, what, I, what I hope and what I believe and what I prayed will be a, a word that people really need to glean from and gain from. We're in this series that's called Dealing with Difficult People. And today's message is called, People You Just Don't Like. Next, woo, everybody look around. People, no, don't do that. People you just don't like. Next week, the, the series comes to a close with a message called Crucial Conversations. Uh, this particular message comes from the, the, a couple of different places in the New Testament, but the kind of the launch pad is going to be uh, the letter to the church at Rome, what you have in your Bible as the book of Romans. So would you locate Romans chapter 12 and verse 10 and just keep a finger there. Maybe your Bible looks like mine or maybe it's loaded on your phone. Either way is just fine. This, as I mentioned, it's one of those messages where we, we start in Romans, but there's a couple of other places that we're going to look and those will be up on the screen at just the right time as they almost always are when, when, when we are together. And, uh, as we talk about the message beginning in the letter to the church at Rome, within the biblical library, Romans is in the correspondence section. But we, we just, you, you may not have been here before, you're new, you're still trying to figure things out, and we just want you to know where we stand about the Bible at Good Shepherd, and we love it. We love the scripture here. We don't worship it, but we love the scriptures. Because we have found that loving the scriptures helps us to adore the Savior. And we do worship him. And out of that conviction that we have at this church that the Bible really is inspired and eternal and true, you may not believe that yet. You may still be figuring it out. That's okay. But out of that conviction, we have a custom. When we talk about the Bible here, we lift it up. Bibles or phones or whatever you got, we lift it up. And, and that may, may seem a little bit strange to you that we do that and we admit, yeah, it is a little bit strange, but this is a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community. We are a collection of people, and we're just so glad to be surrendered to the authority of the Lord as he's revealed it in his word. Amen? And before I say any more words, let's pray. So God, thank you that you're a good God, and, and, and I thank you, Lord, that, that I can pray on this or any Sunday, and I get to pray publicly that I am powerless without you. But because of you, I'm never helpless. And so, Father, I ask that in the, in the course of this message, you would remind everyone within the sound of my voice of that same deep truth and how it relates to them as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there was a lie that I believed until about five minutes ago. A lie that sounded smart and felt wise, appeal, appeared to be Christian, kind of is in sync with my natural wiring and outlook. And so I bought this lie, hook, line, and sinker until five minutes ago. And, and, and this lie that, 
that sounded so Christian and seemed so wise and it was so in much in keeping with my natural wiring and, a, and, a, and approach to thing. It was so pers- pervasive that I'm sure I have even shared that lie with you. So would you like to know what this lie, you can nod. Would you like to know what the lie is that I bought? And, and when I say five minutes ago, I don't mean at 10.52 on this. I mean like just a couple of months ago. Tell recently in my life. It's this. You don't have to like people in order to love them. You don't have to like people in order to love them. And I bought that lie. I digested that lie. I believed that lie. I preached that lie. I've taught that lie because it just sounds so sensible that you don't have to like people much in order to do kind things for them. You don't have to have warm feelings about them in order to do loving things for them. My goodness, this lie, you don't have to like people in in order to love, is why so many of you are so nice to me. I just know it. (laughs) And and as I talk about this lie, you don't have to like people to, to love them. The line You don't have to like them to love them. Right now, people have popped into your mind. You've thought about your in-laws. Thought about your ex. You thought about the person who was in church today who had the nerves to sit in the seat that for years you've considered to be yours. (laughs) You thought about that person in your group, even at church, who sort of over-talks and under-communicates. You thought of that person at work as a knack for edging you out of those conversations. And in fact, in spite of your feelings towards these people, you're still nice to them. You pass the potatoes and you open the doors and you write the checks. I mean, all in all, you're doing good because you're being nice to these people you don't really like all that much. And in fact, as I go through this litany of people you probably don't like very much, but you have acted in loving ways towards them. Some of you are feeling so good about yourselves that you're about to break your arm by patting yourself on the back so hard. In fact, this whole notion, you don't have to like people in order to love them. It really goes along with something else very common in, in church land and in, and in church world. And, and it is this notion that you value facts over feelings. You value faith over emotion. And in fact, there's kind of in, in this whole realm of church world, there's a sort of famous message illustration, sermon illustration, which the preacher will be up on a platform and talking about a pilot who's flying a plane. He gets caught in a dust storm and, and because of the dust storm, he can't see the horizon and his eyes tell him that he's upside down, but his instruments tell him that he's right side up and he's got to land the plane. So he needs to make a decision. Am I upside down or right side up? And which are you going to follow? You're going to follow your eyes or are you going to follow your instruments? And in the way the sermon goes, the pilot decides ultimately to trust his instruments rather than his intuition. And he lands the plane safely. And the preacher lands the sermon by saying, see, you got to trust what you can know, which is the word, rather than what you feel, which is in your heart. You trust your facts 
over your emotions. So it's a lot, the, the line that I'm talking about. You don't have to like people. It's a feeling, it's just an emotion. In order to love them, something you do. Goodness, this is, I, I think the reason that I have bought this line for so many years is it's really in keeping with my natural wiring, maybe even my natural upbringing. I told y'all about my mom. My mom was a remarkable person, lived to be 106 years old, taught me to read when I was about four, just an amazing, remarkable person. However, my mom never met an emotion she couldn't avoid. I mean, she just walked through life. Here's, here's her, here's emotions and feelings, and I am keeping those at arm's distance. And in fact, there was one time when she said the quiet part out loud, and she, was, she and my dad were visiting me and Julie. We were in our 20s, sort of newlyweds, living in New Jersey, and it was time, they were in Texas, and it was time to have a goodbye. And we were in a public place, and it was time to say our goodbyes. And, and my, my mom, like, she said the quiet part out loud, and she said, oh, don't make too big a deal about, about our goodbye. Now, what would all these people think? And I was like, I don't know. Maybe they think we were a healthy family with normal emotions. I, I don't know. <laughs> And for some of you, you're like, everything makes sense about you right now, Talbot Davis. It all, it all makes sense. So, so you, you, you got the fact that the line, you don't have to like people in order to love them, that it sounds good and it seems wise. And you got my natural wiring. And now you know some things about my upbringing, which was mostly good, but nobody's is perfect. And you see why I bought this line hook line and sinker there's one other thing about buying this line this lie you don't have to like people to love them it has a grain of truth in it that Smokey Robinson may have wanted us to second that emotion didn't he but nevertheless emotions are notoriously unreliable vehicles for making decisions like the dumbest advice you could ever follow and the dumbest advice you could ever give is follow your heart well your heart's naturally deceptive you follow your heart usually you go right on right along into self-destruction and, and and so there there's a grain of truth in in recommending to people advising people ah don't trust your gut don't follow your feelings value facts over emotions all of this has a grain of truth so at the end of the day until about five minutes ago if you had told me you don't have to like people in order to love them and i would have been like amen i must have a whole lot of people i love a whole lot then there's only one problem the line is a lie because not only is it not biblical but it in, in fact runs contrary to an entire thread that runs through so much of the New Testament. Now, throughout this series dealing with difficult people, we've been in, in, in what is called the Book of Romans, which is not actually accurate. It's a letter to the church in the ancient city of Rome written by Paul, pastor, missionary, author, about 30 or 35 years after Jesus rose from the dead. And that church in Rome was filled with difficult people. 
And so after spending a lot of time telling the Roman church what's true about God, what is true about the gospel, he, he makes a pivot at Romans chapter 12, and he says, now, all this stuff is true, people. Now, here's how you got to treat one another. And we've danced around this particular verse of chapter 12, verse 10, but today we'll land on it because look at what Paul says. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Be devoted to one another in love, Paul says. And and that word devoted, that implies, that means, wait for it, wait for it, emotional investment. Have an emotional feeling-oriented connection to one another within the body of Christ. Paul says he, he essentially is commanding. So Smokey Robinson seconded that emotion, but Paul commanded that emotion. Be devoted to one another. And then, and then as I wrestled with that, Paul, what are you doing? I, I thought I didn't have to feel anything. I thought I could just act in loving ways. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. Wait till you meet my man, Peter. Because look at what 1 Peter in chapter 1 and verse 22 says. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other. Here's another command. Love one another deeply from the heart. From the heart, I thought a heart wasn't reliable or trustworthy. No, 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 no. Love one another deeply from the heart. And as if that wasn't enough, we got Paul, we got Peter. Let's make a sandwich because Paul, writing to the Philippian church, look at what he says in chapter one, verse eight. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection, the deep, deep emotion, the affection of Christ Jesus. And these, these words like sincere love and love one another deeply from the heart and affection, these words are almost, they're gastrointestinal words in the original language. And it's all Paul and Peter's way of saying these emotions, these strong feelings are to be welling up within you towards other people who are in the body of Christ. And, and as I pondered these as I was very comfortable in, in, in my own line, you don't have to like people to love them. And then I pondered these words. What really struck me is that Paul and Peter command an emotion. And, and, and the deal is when, when they command an emotion, perhaps like me, you have been taught or you have heard in your life that emotions, you can't really control them. Your feelings just are. They're not moral. They're not immoral. They just are. Whether your feelings are, are anger or whether they are lust or whether they are love or whether they are complacency, modern psychology teaches us, and, and, I, and I have heard it, bought it, believed it, that you cannot control your emotions. They just are. They're not bad. They're not good. They're just what you, what, what you feel. And now, whether you act on your feelings, then you move into the realm of morality. But your feelings just are. And yet, here's Paul and here's Peter saying, no, 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 no. Your feelings aren't just are. They, they don't just be. They're not 
immoral or moral, that in fact, I am commanding this feeling for you. And the feeling that I'm commanding that you have is, is, are these deep feelings of love towards other people who are within the body of Christ. And, and, I, and I'm like, you're telling me to feel, nobody, nobody, nobody can tell me to feel something. Like twice a year in my household, nuclear family now, I mean, there was all out war in, in, in my household because it, the, then the two times a year are when North Carolina plays Duke in basketball. My, I didn't go to either place, but my son went to Chapel Hill and he's a huge Chapel Hill fan. And my wife, because I guess she's a good mom, she loves our son totally. And so she has adopted uh, Chapel Hill is her team. And so when they play Duke twice a year, it's like game on, war commences, and emotions run high in our house. And here's the truth. No amount of cajoling can get me to care even a little bit. <laughs> and they're like, what's wrong with you? It's Chapel Hill and it's Duke. And I'm like, it's nine o'clock and I go to bed. I don't care. <laughs> so man, And yet in spite of all that, in spite of all that, Paul says, be devoted to one another. Peter says, love one another with a sincere love. There are these emotions that are commanded and it does not make any sense. Why would the Bible command us to do something over which we have no control? (laughs) Unless... Unless that's precisely the point. Unless the prayer that I am powerless without you, but because of you, I'm never helpless, is not just for giving a message on a Sunday morning, but it's for living your lives Monday through Saturday. Unless God actually arranges it so that he gives this command that we cannot obey unless we completely, fully, authentically acknowledge how incapable we are. Unless out of the goodness of his heart, God wants to make us feel helpless so that we will recognize and remember we are never helpless because of him. So here's what I want you to know. Any one of you who like me, you have ever bought the lie. You don't have to like people in order to love them. Any, any one of you who, like me, you're a little bit separated from your own emotions, especially warm emotions towards people, here's what I want you to know. Here's how you deal with difficult people. Since you can't control your emotions, let God control them for you. Yeah, when you have those people in your life who you just don't like very much, let that be a call to you to remind you, Lord, I am having feelings that do not honor you. Your blood is strong enough to save my soul, so there's no way it's not also strong enough to heal my emotions. Would you change me? Would you alter me? Would you heal me from the inside out and not just from the outside in? Since you can't control your emotions, what a marvelous time to let God control them for you. Call me crazy, but I just have this conviction that God never gives a commandment within scripture. And these are commandments. Be devoted to one another in love. That's a commandment. 
Love one another deeply from the heart. That's a commandment. I just have this conviction that God never gives a commandment without also giving us the ability to carry it out. I don't think there's ever been a time, not a single time that, that God said, you know, it was up in heaven with a smile. He said, well, I've told them to do something, but I know they can't do it just to drive them crazy. It's not the way it is. Every command comes with the empowering to live it out since you can't control your emotions. Let him control them for you. Right now, you're, you're thinking of that person. Maybe you're thinking of the ministry leader who wounded you. Maybe you're thinking of the person in your Bible study, in your life group, who talks a lot but doesn't say anything. Maybe you're thinking of the person at work who just rubs you the wrong way. (laughs) Maybe you're thinking of the person in church who you voted differently from in the last election and the one before that and the one before that. In all of those occasions, let those be reminders. I can't control these feelings. These feelings do not honor you. So I'm going to invite you in to change me and heal me from the inside out so that I can actually love the people that I love. Like most things, I'm, I'm convinced this process begins at home. That's why I loved what Cal Ripken, former Baltimore Oriole baseball player and Ironman record-setting consecutive games guy, what he said about the, the household he's creating with his kids Growing up, I love you. This is Cal Ripken Jr. talking about his upbringing. I love you wasn't spread around too much in our household. Some of you know what that's like. Not that it wasn't meant. It's just the way things were then. Well, that part is different in my family. I want my kids to hear it. I tell them, I love you no matter what, which means whether you're good or bad, happy or sad, I love you always. It all goes back to, the, to security and telling them you'll always be there for them. Maybe you run the risk of telling them you love them so often that it loses meaning, but I will risk it. I love that last part. Maybe it's too much, but that's a risk that is worth taking. You, you build that into the people within your home and you're taking those steps towards acknowledging, yeah, I can't control my emotions, but I can ask God to control them for me. It really came home to me uh, in, in a, a text that I got from a fellow preacher and, and just confession. A lot of the difficult people that I deal with tend, tend to be my clergy. It's never that I'm the problem. tend to be that my <laughs> clergy friends. And, and so my, my friend, he sent me a text kind of out of the blue and and the text was all about the really healthy increase in attendance and giving that he had had at the church where he serves. And my natural reaction was to text back, us too. I, I'll see your increase and I'll raise you ours. <laughs> and before I hit send, I realized what a jerk move that would be. What a way 
of, of bringing the conversation back to me, this guy whom I love is sharing good news with me and how can I do anything else but honor the good news that he's having? So, so God in those moments helped protect me from me and edited the, edited the worst parts of me out and I was able just to text back awesome news. God is good. Since you can't control your emotions, I, I can't control my natural gut reaction to bring it all back to me. Since you can't control your emotions, ask God to control them for you. Yeah, you got those people. If you don't embark on this journey of asking God to heal you from the inside out, to literally alter the way that you feel, you'll end up hollow, you'll end up jaded, you'll end up cynical, and you'll end up being the difficult person in everyone's life. And I don't necessarily think this journey will be complete overnight. It doesn't happen instantly. And, and as you embark on this, I want to give you just a couple of practical suggestions, which are always better than impractical suggestions, just a, a couple of practical ones. And, and the first is, is this. I, I mean, I do want you to embark on this journey like today. I got people about whom I want God to change my feelings today. But until that's fully lived out, I do want to invite you to continue to act in loving ways, even towards people that you don't feel in particularly loving manner towards, knowing that feelings follow your obedience much more often than the reverse. So, so, so just do that. And second, if you have someone within the body of Christ, and, and, and you may not be a Christian yet, and that's fine. So glad you're here. Just overhear how Christians ought to talk to each other. And if you have someone within the body of Christ about whom you feel this way, please remember something, Good Shepherd. You're all bought with the same blood. The person who talks too much in life group the person at church who rubs you the wrong way, the person who was in the seat you thunk was yours all these years, all bought with the same blood. Look around. Go ahead, look around. Every person you see here is bought with the same blood. How can you treat them as anything else other than someone who is royal priesthood? Amen? Third, third, consider the ways in which what you don't like in someone else, I don't like that guy for that, is really a reflection of what you don't like in yourself. How, how is it that that which drives you crazy about other people is that which you're kind of ashamed of about you? And again, this came, came vividly true to me within the last few years. And I told you, you know, sometimes preacher relationships can be prickly for me. And I just realized, I just don't like these people who bring the conversation back to them and always want the spotlight. <laughs> Physician, heal thyself. And it's called projection. And it's never pretty. And God wants to deliver you from it. Since you can't control your emotions, 
let God control them for you because you one day, one day you will be glad. You will be very glad indeed that someone asked God to change their emotions about you. So it's been said. And so let it be done. And that's no lie. Let's pray. So, Father, thank you that you are a good God. Thank you that you don't just long for us to surrender our sins or our wallets or our souls. You actually want us to surrender our emotions so that you can alter our feelings and so that we can love the people whom we're to love. In Jesus' name, we pray all of these things. Amen.